Hello and welcome to the 250, the podcast where anyone can lose one fight. I'm Jonathan and with me as always is my co-host Douglas. How are you, Douglas? I'm very good. I'm um, blinded by the light. Jonathan has just dyed his hair, for those of you who don't know, and he looks a little bit like a, a bowl of ramen noodles. It's um, quite fantastical. I look like that um, that mass murderer who had the uh, orange hair with like the the brown sideburns. I put that on Insta- I, I put that on Instagram. No idea you who you're talking story? about, but I'm, um, no, no, no. I'm absolutely looking it up. <laughs> if this is your first time tuning into the two five zero, we've taken a snapshot of IMDb's top two hundred and fifty movies of all time as of January twenty twenty, and we've begun watching them from number two hundred and fifty through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, our thoughts, and our reactions to the movies within. Today's movie, number 210, is Million Dollar Baby. An old boxing coach, haunted by the past of his family and his former championship hopeful, lives a modest life in his grimy boxing gym. Maggie Fitzgerald, much older than her welterweight peers and with technique that is in dire need of improvement, shows her heart is enough to change the coach's mind and get her into the big leagues. Million Dollar Baby was directed by Clint Eastwood, uh, who has also done uh, Gran Torino. Uh, Unforgiven, he acted, didn't he? Pretty sure, yeah. As well as, like, you know, Fistful of Dollars, fucking every cowboy film ever. Yeah, he's got a pretty even... I think he's been doing a lot of directing recently and mm. and mm. also, like, acting in... Because Gran Torino is the kind of real stinker for that. Writer-director thing that he does, yeah. He's yeah. done 72 acting credits. He's got 72 acting credits and 42 directing credits. So he's yep. putting his... Sounds about right. Uh, and it was written by Paul Haggis, uh, who wrote the screenplay. Uh, he's also done Crash in the Valley of Ila, Casino Royale, and Quantum of Solace. Uh, and it was based on uh, stories by FX Tool, uh, The Monkey Look, Million Dollar Baby, Million Dollar Sign Baby. Cash, and, cash, cash. And Frozen Water. And Douglas has written some parts of the introduction were used as well. Yes. Okay, you you heard so it here, you folks. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of us have watched this film before. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you reckon, Douglas? Fuck me dead. It, I don't think I've actually seen a Clint Eastwood directed film before. I don't think I've seen Gran Torino. I don't think I've seen Unforgiven. So I didn't really know what to expect with this one, especially since it's the second boxing film we've had here on the 250, the first mm. being Rocky. Um, I think that was my closest point of comparison, basically, was mm. going, you know, is this going to be another Rocky? Um, but while it has similar circumstances i think and similar kind of um i wouldn't even say styles but similar yeah i guess just genre it you cannot compare this film to rocky they're different types of beasts i would argue that actually the correct way if you had to watch rocky and million dollar baby in Mm. You definitely should watch Rocky first because yeah, I think yeah. that Million Dollar Baby, I think there is some level of intention, I think, uh, mm. or it just turned out that way, that uh, in a way that we don't want to spoil, watching Rocky first will enrich yeah. your mm. the way you watch Million Dollar Baby in a very interesting way. Yep, yep, definitely. Because there's a... There's an expectation, I think, going into sports films, and I think boxing films especially, it kind of, you already have a pre-built thing in your head. There's the human brain does this thing sometimes when it watches films. You start planning the rest of the plot as Mm. the film is already going. Yeah, because a lot of sports films are really, like, 
Pain by numbers. Underdog. Underdog gets trained. Underdog wins championship. Everybody's happy. Roll credits tends to be the... I really, really want to tiptoe around yes, yes. The, the plot of this. Um, yeah, this is one yeah. of those, which which in and of itself is already spoiling. <laughs> yeah, it is a little... But whatever. But yeah, I think Ro- Rocky did an interesting thing where he doesn't win, but it's not really 100% about winning. It's about going the distance. Cool. Um, Six spoilers for Rocky, man. I feel <laughs> like that's more known than the plot details of this film. But oh, if it's not, all right, sure. All right. If it's not... Okay, here's what we need to do. We need to assume <laughs> people are listening to the podcast and watching the films in order with us. <laughs> I reserve the Come right on. to spoil any film we've watched okay, before. any film you that is previously the podcast called, before, yeah, you bastard. <laughs> God, fuck me, man. You really you really think our viewers, uh, listeners are that dedicated that they're really keeping along every week as we're going? They're watching the list. They're like, what's next? What's next? I need to rent it. <laughs> there is uh, more depth to this than I expected is what I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. Um, hmm. And I think I'm going to leave the rest of the plot discussion till after the spoilers uh, for sure because it won't take too much to kind of talk ourselves into into a corner and 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 yep. end up in some dangerous territory um but the clint eastwood um has a certain type of story that he really likes to tell um mm. and and this kind of fits into that which is not really uh, a major issue it's still a pretty good film um yeah I don't know how you felt about this or if this even occurred to you, but the film, it's not schlocky, but it's not, at least not wholly, as, like, grittily realistic as we've expected from some of the other films. There's, like, an element of, like, kind of style and almost, like, silliness, especially surrounding the kind of boxing like area i guess the the one that and this is not the best example of this but the one that immediately comes to mind is um when they're in london and the (laughs) there's the guy who's like uh what's what's the line he's like oh 10 minutes love and like when he like pokes his head around the around the corner and comes back Mm. in and there's like a couple of scenes that are um kind of what you expect like like someone gets their little come up and scene, you know, and um, a bunch of the characters are, are sort of like stereotypical. Like we've got Danger, who's this kind of goofy, um, all heart and no skill. Character. Played by Jay Baruchel, who absolutely fits that fucking role to a um, T. Very very weird character, but that's okay. As well as very Jay Baruchel. Um, who's that guy? I think he's in. I think he's in some of the Marvel films. Anthony Mackie. Are you talking about? Um, I think so. Uh, Shorel Berry. Shorel, that's the one. Who's a yeah, yeah. He plays Falcon in the Avengers. Stuff. That's right. And he's he's like this kind of cocky douchebag bully character, um, which kind of is for for example, Rocky itself does not have this kind of kind of light-hearted silliness to a degree. You know, it's all still if. Rocky felt more grounded, especially in that really? kind of environment. To, to me, I think there's... I would disagree. I would disagree. I would say that Rocky felt more silly. There's nothing in Rocky to me that felt... um, Like, Rocky... 
isn't completely 100% gritty and like, and like harsh, but it's also, there isn't like, you know, no one in the boxing gym is like a stereotype character, you know, there's Mm. um, even like characters that might sort of fit into that, like maybe... Um, I forget her name, but there's the, like, teenage girl who's, like, hanging around with people and she's, like, a bit of a ne'er-do-well is, like, not that much of, like, a stereotype. And I, it's, it's, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe they're, like, I, I, I don't know. I think it's interesting that we disagree on this. I think that's fun. Yeah, I um, would disagree completely. I the the big notes that I were writing down is that Million Dollar Baby, all of the acting across the board, dialogue especially, feels incredibly naturalistic. And I think that it all feels incredibly grounded and gritty and realistic to me. And I feel like Rocky is completely the opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum because Rocky has such a more um, carefree feeling to it because Rocky himself is so carefree and like lighthearted about everything. But that's kind of because he's, he's a bit of a post-drug Sylvester. <laughs> hey, you, you, go, you go to my dog. This hey. is my dog. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, with the, I think maybe that's just also because it's Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood himself seems like a very grounded, gritty kind of fella. Mm. That, yeah, I can, while I can agree, there are definitely the stereotypes there, and especially amongst the boxing cast, um, the like the cast of fighters. There's definitely stereotypes there, but they're still grounded realistic stereotypes in my head because the stereotypes are there because they exist in real life i think dangers is really taking Mm. it's a film level silly i i think sure i yeah yeah but that guy's in every gym there is a dude in every (laughs) city when's the last time you've been to a gym jonathan because there is always some there always some douche who's just like punching the air and doing like all these stuff where he's like yeah i'm so cool fuck yeah and then he's like he's the heart is there the energy is there but it's just it's being invested into this really weird kind of space that (laughs) It's completely unproductive and doesn't really do anything for you other than maybe just give you the self-gratification of like, I feel like I'm working out. But yeah, they're all there. Uh, Anthony Mackie's character, the complete douche. And then the offsider of um, Michael Pena, um, who I his character is Omar, called Omar. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. He's in the um, uh, first Ant-Man film. I think he plays a character yes. called Lewis in yes. Ant-Man. I checked that um, out. It's uh, for across the cast while we're talking cast, bit of an all star cast. Um, but it's it's almost before they were stars. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's because it's two thousand four. These are all faces that we recognise nowadays: Jay Baruchel, Mike Coulter, Anthony Mackie, bloody Hilary Swank. Um, led by obviously these two powerhouses, Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman. It's yeah, it's fantastic to see all of them in this yeah setting prior to their their claim to fame. You know, Anthony Mackie getting Falcon, Jay Baruchel, I guess, doing Tropic Thunder. In my mind, is how I know <laughs> Jay Baruchel. Uh, Mike Coulter before he went went on to do Luke Cage. Michael Pena before he went on to do Ant Man. It's yeah, all of these characters. Uh, yeah, uh, fucking superb, and I think. They're all incredibly realistic and all of the dialogue and the exchanges are all 
very grounded, in my opinion. I think the I think the key cast. I can't disagree with you there. They are all pretty deep characters. Um, there's a, there's a bit going on under the surface which you kind of dig into a bit more in the film, especially our big three, our um, mm. our poster three. But yeah, yeah, I I maybe maybe it's because Rocky. You only really like lightheartedness in Rocky comes from Rocky and like a little bit from. Um, what's his pal's name again? Oh, the the brother of the uh, yeah. what is it? The the girl that he Adrian, likes. Adrian's brother. Adrian's brother. Yeah. Um, um, oh, mo- but it's remember. mostly it's mostly Rocky. It's uh, mm. Paulie. Paulie, that's it. Whereas in this, you've got a core cast that are all very serious, and then just like these fringe characters that that uh, I don't know. I still I don't think it was bad, but it felt well. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah, I find that very interesting. We could we could go on at least more a little bit later on, but mm. um, yeah, I very just, very different feelings feelings sure, in the film. Absolutely, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Different different intentions, I think, just across the board, oh, yeah. like different oh, intentions yeah. of what they're trying to tell in their story within the frame of the boxing world, mm. and how they tell that story, how they convey these. Um, obviously, yeah, very juxtaposing stories. Mm. is yeah really clever and i think yeah i i have a far greater appreciation for boxing films and just i think the sport in general as a result of both rocky and million dollar baby i think they if you're turned off by sports films i wouldn't uh i would still try and recommend million dollar baby because i think it's just a fantastic drama that regardless of the fact that it is sports centric there's still a good deal of genuinely good entertainment and story to be had here that I don't think you should miss. It's not it's not a pain by number sports film. Mm. Uh, mm. Which which I mentioned before. It's it's definitely really does its own thing and it tells something kind of unique and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I'm just thinking of the the bit where the the 110 scene with Morgan Freeman's character. Yeah. That's going through my head. That's just like it's a little silly, man. It's a little silly. <laughs> I mean, it's a well, bit silly, really, man. There's we can't go that too deep into that because it's because that's spoilers. But this is a, no, no, that's why I'm not saying it any more detail. Yeah, but I'm yeah, just yeah. like, you Other tell me that wasn't yeah. a bit silly, Douglas. You know what mm, I'm talking about. That's a little bit silly. That's a nah, little bit silly. It's deserved. I reckon. And the, I think the, that's wa- the the ice in the water bottle and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, no, I love that shit. That's great. <laughs> that's called um, comedy, Jonathan. You ever fucking heard of it? God, does this film need it as well? Holy shit. There is some very dark moments in this film. And good God, if it didn't have the flashes of comedy that come from Jay Baruchel, Morgan Freeman. Oh, God. This would be the most downer of a film ever. But, yeah, these little spritzes of comedy really do help it to kind of just... You go, oh, okay, okay. It does... It, we're here. It's fine. Talking about... Here comes the segue. I forgot. I forgot the term that you used. It's shot interesting, or like there's like a really weird, like gray color grading to the whole thing. Like it's not cinematographic. Is that what we're talking about? It's not desaturated. It's almost like a slight like green wash type thing. Yeah. Like hmm. I, I mean, it is desaturated, but it's also hmm. um, which I'm wondering if that was intentional to really like. 
like make everything look kind of cold except for the uh the green clothing that the key mm. characters wear in uh, uh an important Some moment the, in the film mm, one of the, scenes, one of the, yeah. one of the fights with their um their green garb perhaps um mm. that was i don't know i forget how i feel like um rocky was also shot a bit washed out but it also almost felt like it was more cuz it's in San Fran, is it? No, it's set in Boston. LA, right? Didn't? No, it's not in LA. Oh. Isn't it? Uh, oh, God. Where Boston. is Rocky? Oh, it's the, one with, it's the one with the steps, right? Because, yeah, Rocky Philly, runs up Philly, the what steps. the fuck am I talking yeah. about? I'm an yeah, idiot. Yeah. Um, uh, city. Oh, Philly and. Oh, a bunch of it is set in Los Angeles. There you go. Hi. Uh, we both live in Australia. Cold. America's on the other side of the world, <laughs> and that is our excuse for not knowing. We don't need uh, to know our the excuse. And I said LA. It's it's no. It's primarily set in Philadelphia. Oh. You bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like a foggy effect in Rocky, right? Which kind of fits because there's like this like early morning jog type theme to like. The whole film. Sure. <laughs> Whereas this yeah. was kind of just like a bit miserable. Uh, yeah. Grimy. Uh, grimy. Grimy is a good word. And they really work with that in a lot of the stuff. Like no one's house looks that nice or anything. Mm. Mm. <laughs> no, there's, no, there's never any way that seems like really comfortable, which is kind of- Well, again, well, that's the whole fucking point. It's the like point. Boxing, boxing isn't glamorous. That's like what they're really- That's what I think Clint Eastwood is really trying to drive home is that if you are a part of this world- it is business, but it is not a very glamorous business. It is not like the most pristine industry because of fucking course not. It's mm. you're profiting off of violence. You're profiting off of literally beating each other up for entertainment. So maybe yeah. that's um, I, 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 that has to kind of tie in with Frankie Dunn's thing. Is he's obviously he's a coach, but he's also a cut man. Is like his. Mm. His like key thing. He's he's there to stop the boxer from bleeding long enough that they can finish the fight, which is yeah. like yeah. gnarly. Mm. And he's like, "Oh, we're just gonna throw you like straight into the the dark deep end of this." There's implication he's had like medical training. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um. Well, we've we've uh, had a nice little rattle on. Uh, Jonathan, would you recommend Million Dollar Baby? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Don't get um, too fucking excited. Uh, it's good. It's good. sad movie made John sad zero yeah, mission. Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to spoil that until after the spoilers. But here we are. We'll talk about no, it in no. a second. It's it's not as uplifting as Rocky is, and that's where yes, I'm going to leave no. it. Mm. I would recommend Rocky over this to my kind of audience, right? But if sure. you want like a deep film experience. This is probably a little better for that, I guess. Yeah. I wouldn't even say it's like, it's not uh, impenetrably deep. You no. know, it's not one of those films where it's like so fucking art house where you're like, the camera is like following no. like three molecules and you're like, I don't know what we're looking at right now. <laughs> it's not like that deep. It's just no. that, yeah, it's a different kind of story that's trying to be portrayed through the, the filmatic device of boxing. And yep. it's, again, yeah, it's just completely different to the intentions that Rocky has, that Million Dollar Baby has, that Clint Eastwood has, that he set out 
to uh, to deliver, as well as Paul Haggis and FX Tool, completely different. Um, and I would prefer this over Rocky. 110%. I take Rocky. I take Rocky if so I there had you go. to. Is this our first disagreement on the 250 podcast? No. We disagreed <laughs> about. You hated Drive. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Amongst yeah. other things. When, yeah, where yeah. It's, it's not that uncommon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two, I would prefer if I was given the two opinions? films, I would watch Rocky. But sure. that does not mean this film is bad. It just means. Okay. Rocky makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> Jonathan's Jonathan's yum yum yummy taste goes to Rocky. My yum yum yummy taste goes to Million Dollar Baby. There you go. Well, and on that note, I think <laughs> we're going to go to Spoiler Town with a beautiful yep. little spoiler boxing bell. <laughs> I'm not going to make the noise. I wanted to. I wanted to automatically <laughs> the noise, but I could see you like I could see your lips like they wanted to do the door. There was a. <laughs> I want to get ding 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 ding. Beep beep beep. <laughs> anyway, hi everyone. Dong, You're now on the spoiler side of town. Uh, if you didn't mm-hmm. watch the film this far, shame on you. Douglas, mm-hmm. I've Yo. got something to say to you. Okay. So, when uh, <laughs> we were in a uh, call, a voice call, yeah. for something unrelated yesterday, and, yeah. and I said, Douglas, do we want to record tomorrow? And he says, yes. Yeah. And I said, okay, I'll finish what I'm doing. I'll watch the film and we can record tomorrow. I said, Douglas... Yeah. Is it that sad of a film? And he goes, ah. and Douglas, <laughs> let me tell you, this is one of the most heart-rending endings of a <laughs> film we've had so far. You fucking <laughs> You bastard. It was so sad. You are no, a Hachi, fucking Hachi was dick. sadder. The Hachi you was fucking, so much sadder. <laughs> oh, you fucking dick. Fuck. <laughs> Did you cry? Fuck. Did you cry? Yes, of course I fucking yeah, cried. Yeah, there we go. Oh yeah, my goodness. It. I didn't want to give you any pre-built conceptions I know. we were going into it. If I but said it was sad, you were going to be that like, That got me oh, into God, a false sense of security because you said, oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> and you get this bit where she, she fucking breaks her neck and you're like, yeah, maybe. And and here's the real problem I got into. And and I still never really worked out why it's called A Million Dollar Baby. I It's something to do with the original story. Because um, she has a million dollar fight. Yeah, okay. Shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> you just answered the question. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I was like, I hadn't pieced that together. And I'm like, oh, I know what it's going to do. He's going to sell his boxing gym so he can make loads of money and fix her spine. And then it's going to be Rocky, baby. She's going to get it. <laughs> and that didn't happen. It just got worse. It got worse and worse and worse. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, oh! It's so horrible. Oh it is my a goodness! Pretty gut wrenching last thirty minutes. That's for sure. Oh. It takes a very steep left turn um, when, uh, yeah, she cracks her neck on the stool, which is in its in and of itself. That whole fight scene is superb across the board. All the the boxing scenes in this are pretty fucking solid. Get watching Hillary Swank put down all these fucking women in like oh. four punches in the first round. So good. She That's like, the, the it's worst, so visceral. The worst part of this is that the, the boxing scenes themselves are fucking stellar. And I just yeah. wanted to keep watching that forever. Mm. And I was mm. like, this is, this is better than Rocky is. Cause these fights are so good and they're, they're really so well tight. choreographed yeah. and shot and like mm. energetic and fun. And I'm like, Fucking hell yeah. And then the film's like, do you want to watch a person lose their will to live as they lie <laughs> as an animated fucking head in a bed? And I was like, I don't actually, but thank you for asking. 
fuck. Oh my god. I want to see her box again. I yep, give well, me my fucking Rocky moment, you bastard. Life, life ain't like that, Jonathan. Oh. I hate to I hate to break it to you. Fuck. I'm so <laughs> pissed. I'm so angry. <laughs> It's horrible. Oh my god! And it, like, it is. It's tragic. And like, and a family coming in with after they've been to like DC, they've been hanging out in like, fucking <sighs> where is it? It's like the uh, uh, where did they have the the actual fight? Because she had to stay in the city while she was recovering, and then their family got. It was in LA. I'm pretty sure. No, not yeah, LA. something. Like no, that. no. Um, no, it wasn't Las Vegas. Uh, no. Yeah, I think it was Las no, Vegas. I don't think there are. Uh... Is there a Walt Disney in... Yeah, there was like a Disney World in Anaheim, maybe? I don't know. Um, Either way, the family family coming over and then digging around in the the city and going to all these tourist places and then then finally coming up to be like, oh, sign us all your assets, please. Um, Mm. Oh, God, that shit made me livid. But there is a lot of like... uh, Clint Eastwood does a lot of very good work with... Setting up problem, audience acknowledging that it's a problem, the problem being a thing for a little bit, and then a very triumphant, like, I mean, for lack of a better term, left hook, fucking smash that bitch down into the ground and just fuck that shit right off. Like, 110, the bit where Jay Baruchel, Danger, is getting beat the fuck up by, like, um, Eddie Mackey's character, Shorel. And the rest of the gang are all like, yeah, no, you're going to fight danger. And I was, that was so sad. Um, Then Morgan Freeman gets this moment, which is incredibly gratifying for an audience. And you need these moments in boxing films where you can rally behind and then go, yeah, big fuck off. Fuck that shit. Get that noise out of here. Because all of these moments, all of these fuck, 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 resolution, fuck, 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 resolution is all setting you up for this... Jonathan looks incredibly depressed while I'm telling all of this, by the way. It's all setting it up for these last 30 minutes where it is just problem, 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 resolution, not the greatest resolution, but a resolution nonetheless. And that's just it. It's life. When was the last movie that we had that bummed you out this much? Um, We've had one. One, I cannot think of... Yeah, we've had one, one film. We've had so many films that have bummed me out. No, I no, no, but like been... this much, this much. I've, um, I haven't seen you this bummed out about was, a film in a long time. I was really miserable after... Um, Mild uh, spoilers. The, the, the newspaper one. Um, the newspaper. Oh, uh, 400 Spot- Blows? Spotlight. Oh, Spotlight, right. Yeah, yeah. Not Spotlight, sorry, not Spotlight. Uh, the other one, fuck. Uh, the other one. The other newspaper one? We have two newspaper films in the two Yeah, yeah. It's like one of the older ones. Um, oh, uh, Ace in the Hole. Ace in the Hole. Ace in the Hole. Yeah, Ace in the Hole. Absolutely miserable. That was a sad one for you. Yes. Um, What else? Handmaiden? Yeah. Oh, no. You no, vibed Handmaiden. No, no. I love the Handmaiden. Handmaiden, Handmaiden was great. Yeah. Handmaiden has yeah. like a happy ending. Mm. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah, it does. What do you yeah, mean? Yeah, no, it does. Not, yeah, for, yeah. not for the, the antagonists, but that's sure, the point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, um, well, I've, it a, must a Morris, be a Morris Peros bummed me out a lot. True, true. I think it must have been Ace in the Hole. I think that must have been the I last was, time I've seen you. This I was fucking out. miserable after you it. were. And, yeah. and the other, the other trick with Ace in the Hole is that 
Um, this is back when uh, peak behind the curtain people. We used to <laughs> do three films at a time, mm. which just bad idea. Like it works if uh, doing three podcasts at a time works because three hours is. It's about the limit of how long you can talk before your throat yeah. starts getting rooted. But it, mm. it means that you don't have to deal with it for three weeks. The problem is that you need to watch at least six hours of film before that. And in reality, that blocks an entire day out. I watched The Handmaiden, quite good, no major issues. White Heat, which um, it doesn't end that positively. And Ace in the Hole, and then which ends even less positively. And, uh, and that was just like, just like... Boom, just boom, beat boom. me into the dirt. Just yep. pow, it was that was miserable. So yeah, yeah, you had a bit of build up, Tyson. And the whole this one there was yeah, you haven't had any build up, but it still hit you in the same way. Which yeah, I I don't know, man. I love it. I think it's fucking superb. It's good. It's mm. good, and it actually it actually didn't didn't bum me out as much as I think it should have. Which is right. interesting, but maybe it's just how I'm feeling right now. I'm not sure, mm. Mm. but it, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's it's weird. It's I, yeah. I couldn't anyway. really see any other way for this film to end. Again, I went completely blind into this, so I had I was I'm sure you did as well, Jonathan. No real idea of what was going to happen, other than my direct comparison to rocky mm. so it was just basing off of uh, the one other boxing film that i've watched which is rather kooky and fruity and sylvester stallone kind of doing what he does and then yeah this and i think it's i <laughs> when the when she fucking breaks her neck i just wrote down ah i had <laughs> i had right here dot point blue bear fight <laughs> blue, blue, blue bear fight dot point yep. Why do I feel like something bad's going to happen? <laughs> Dot point. There we go. <laughs> uh, I the, the note immediately after that was that, fuck, man, this last half an hour is a hard watch because uh. it, I, this, I don't know why I have this, but I have a really, like, I get really uncomfortable watching, like, scenes in hospitals and things like that where, mm. like, people are really fucked up and on life support that shit fucking terrifies me and it's it's really hard for me to watch so for stuff like when she's got like the the tube in her throat and they have to like yeah. unclog the one tube and then like cook it oh god it really fucks with me so watching that last half an hour was like oh god i think it's because i put myself in that situation and then i'm like what a shitty way to live and the fact that there are people living like that that are living on life support and they they're so restricted in what they're able to do and i don't think there's anything more terrifying for me than being that restricted i think mm. i think that's a yeah petrifying thought don't think about it too much that's my trick don't think yeah, about it you're on to something and you know like the wu-tang clan said Always protect your neck. <laughs> oh my fucking god! I need something, Douglas. You gotta give Jesus. me this one. <laughs> well, I mean, the whole thing that they say to each other all the time is always protect yourself. So you yeah. know what? All right, I guess you're onto yeah. something. Yeah, and uh, you know what the the one 
thing, the unquestionable positive that it will get out of this film is that uh, I'm going to be even more careful about falling over onto things after watching this. <laughs> you had best believe I will be on that shit. Yeah, look. But she didn't fall. She got fucking sucker punched to the temple and then fell over. So yeah, unless you're about to get sucker punched into it, like if you, True. like if you fall, if you're standing up and you fall onto concrete, just like stick man fo- fell fall onto concrete, you'll <laughs> you'll do enough force to your head to kill you. Yeah. Like uh, unless you're really short, <laughs> it's spooky. Got to keep that head yes. upright, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, human instinct. We're gonna, we're gonna. This is the thing we gotta protect. Um, fun <laughs> tidbit of trivia, just to just to uh, pull us away a little bit from uh, the ending of the film because we have yep. done a fair bit of talking about that now. Um, the soundtrack, obviously, very bare bones. You don't get mm-hmm. too much, I don't think, until there's like a little mini training montage with um, Murray Fitzgerald and Frankie. Um, where, you know, he finally accepts to, to train her. And the all of the music in the film was composed by Clint Eastwood. Oh, wow. So all of the acoustic guitar and stuff that you hear, that's Clint Eastwood, baby. Oh, that's very cool, actually. Mm. And it was, it, was one of the, it was one of the films where I didn't think about the music too much, which is... Mm. Uh, mm. Because for ninety nine percent of the time, it wasn't fucking there. Oh, <laughs> um, but uh, what was it? We had a film, another film recently, where I wasn't thinking about the music, and I went back to it, and I was like, "Oh, uh, <laughs> the sound." <laughs> it was. It was the. It was the last one. It was. Um, Hachi. No, no. It was the Irishman. Ah. Uh, uh, Irish, mm. Yeah, Irishman had loads of music all through it. Yeah, Irishman's got a fucking sick soundtrack. I love. I. I it, it just. Bl- it blended in really well. And I wasn't really thinking about mm. it that much. Mm. Um. Uh, unlike Hachia Dog's Tale, which had miserable <laughs> music, and I and it was right at the forefront of my head the entire film. So that's that's the that's the trick we've said it before. If, yeah, if you're not yeah. thinking about the music too much, I think that's you're good. It's, you're uh, unless it's unless it's a very intentional choice. Yes, from cinematography as a whole, that whole piece that is uh, p- picture and movement and sound. So, so your Inceptions, obviously. There's yes. uh, that kind of booming soundtrack that is very intentional, like this is really getting in your head. Or um, uh, you'll see in Annihilation real soon, there's, uh, there's something that you will not miss. There's a, there's a correlation between what you're seeing and the, the audio that uh, tend to... Yeah, if, in a film like Inception, yeah, it complements the visual. Mm. And I think that's what any soundtrack... Or, you know, <clears throat> fuck, this milk toasting I think I've ever fucking said. <laughs> soundtrack needs to complement the visual. In this, does it perfectly. 99% of the time is because it's not even there. It's yeah. moments like in Rocky, like the... Fucking sure, that's completely fine. And it's okay for Rocky to have that because Rocky is its own kind of kooky little thing. But Million Dollar Baby, if it had... It completely changes the tone of the film, and that's mm. not what Clint Eastwood is going for. He's really trying to like stay in this grimy, backward fucking like chick doing the waitressing job on the side, picking up a half-eaten steak and bringing it home to eat it, and then counting out the fucking million bunches of pennies and coins and shit that she has to be able to pull together money to buy a speed bag. That's the level of kind of uh, tone that we're going for. Mm. Mm. Um, 
talking about tone, I guess I guess it's worth mentioning just like I, I think like set design has got to be something. Yeah. Like the mm. film is so grimy. It's mm. just everything is gross. No other way and to yeah describe it. Even like the boxing rings and stuff, the arenas. Mm. They're really like trying to uh uh the kind of priorities, I guess. It's not it's not that the characters are like desperate, but you've got, you know, both Maggie and Morgan Freeman's character, whose name I always forget, Eddie. Uh Scrap, Scrap. or whatever. Yeah. Um uh you know, they both basically sink all of their spare money into boxing stuff. Uh mm. you know. Scrap who's a janitor and apparently like clearly earning next to nothing living in a boxing gym spending all his money on hbo so that he can watch every fight Mm. and and maggie scraping coins together until she can buy the small amounts of things that she needs to to box with and stuff um and their living situations represent that you've got maggie Mm. who doesn't have a tv and sleeps on a sofa bed and, it's just uh, real, man. That's what I that's what I fucking love about this film. Like everything contextually makes sense within the the frame of the film. And yeah. like sure, the one the 110 moment is, you know, a little bit like filmy, but I still think that it fits within the context of the film because again, this is uh you need those moments. You need those moments in order for that last half an hour to actually get that fucking payoff because it leaves you with this niggling hope at the back of your head, like the one that you had where you're like, we might have the Rocky moment. He might sell the gym and then make it get better. And it, it keeps you there at the end of the film because if that happened and you didn't have all of those pre-built moments of problem, 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 resolution then you would just drop the fuck out at the last half hour of the film and you go, fuck me, man. Like, it just everything went to shit. Nothing went right. Nothing yeah. was happy, you know? It needs those moments in order to make that last half an hour work. I still feel like the 110 was dipped a little too far into schlock. That's your opinion. Well, it is my opinion, and I'm here mm. to uh, express my opinion to the masses. <laughs> that, that's, what, that's literally what we're doing. <laughs> they can't talk back, and I would rather you didn't talk back either, <laughs> mister. <laughs> All right, I'll just, I'll just sit here. Sorry. Sorry. Thank you. I appreciate that, Douglas. Yeah, I just really adored the fight scenes. False sense of security, you know? You, you get really hyped, and you're like, this is like a cool sports film cool boxing film and it's like very flashy and all the fights are like really cool and really fun to watch and then and then it's just like haha it's bad fuck you um yeah the boxing scenes are fucking phenomenal and hillary swanks works for her fucking pay in this film my god she gives an absolutely towering performance Mm. um across the board uh in yeah just her Ah, her undeniable spirit and courage and just determination is, yeah, incredible. And also, like, the hot-headedness and the the stubbornness as well. Mm. Um, Yeah, it was really interesting to seeing that get played out and then kind of put up against that force of Clint Eastwood is, yeah, really interesting to, to watch as that dynamic plays out and then... Yeah, Clint Eastwood's character, I think, has uh, Frankie Dunn. He has a really superb growth throughout the film as well. I mean, obviously, you know, there's the... Again, the tie that can be made that he thinks of Maggie like his daughter 
Mm. the daughter that is, you know, not replying to any of his letters and has just basically removed him from her life. And, yeah, there's, you know, that's immediately makes that connection and relationship that they have all the more uh, heart-wrenching and gorgeous, you know. It's that uh, the surrogate father trope rears its ugly head yet again. Yep. Uh, But it works. It's mm. not... I don't mind it. I think it's you good. You know what I was the most worried about in this film? What's the, that? The spot right at the end where he leans in and kisses her on the cheek and it's framed right the way. That like, is he about to kiss her on the lips? That'd be really <laughs> weird. and really, really betray all the, the feel we've got in the film <laughs> so far. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Fucking gives her euthanasia and then... <laughs> Clear, don't do it. Our three keys, Frankie, Maggie, and Scrap are all Yeah. They have Super. a lot of they have a lot of depth. I've read some people had issues with Morgan Freeman, but I didn't have any issue with No, him. I didn't either. I thought um, he was pretty bloody good. Yeah. And you do yeah, you get a lot of character out of him. He um mm, mm. Uh, and you like learn more about his you know, kind of what led him to where he is, and it kind of mm. also tells you a bit about Frankie, how he's like, well, I fucking got you in this terrible situation where you fucking lost your eye, and you've kind of just ended up just like working for me because because I want to help you out, and you know, mm. uh, it's yeah, it's there's there's a lot going on there, which I which I which it's I it's never quite elaborated why Frankie is learning Gaelic, is it? I'm no, assuming I, it would be like some. Maybe it's just I don't know. Maybe there is no reasoning behind it, and he just the Frankie just wants to pick up Gaelic because it's you know he's a he wants to be more learned. But for for me, I was thinking it was going to tie back into the daughter somehow. Like maybe she fucked off to Ireland or something. I don't know. But yeah, I don't think it ever is quite elaborated. Other than it gives the through line for being able to call. Um, Maggie's boxer title, um, McCoyshla or whatever the hell it is, however you say it. McCoyshla. McCoyshla. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, apparently, Frankie is supposed to be Irish-American. Ah, there you go. Which I, is not super well communicated. <laughs> mm, mm, checking out his heritage. But, like, that, that's I think that's a thing with a lot of Clint Eastwood's films is there's a heavy level of subtext in films like this where there are, you know, you've got people who are actors, you know what I mean? Like, they are big subtexty like there is a lot bubbling underneath the surface of all of these characters and not necessarily all of it gets onto the screen like even all of the backstory that we get for maggie for for scrap for frankie i bet there was still like another 20 30 pages worth of subtext that was happening completely inside the actor's own mind and was never elaborated throughout or explained through the film like mm. it was just happening in their own head to make their performance more believable um, and again, there's not too much that's ever explained in what happens with Frankie's daughter. And that's, you know, subtext and, yeah. uh, character, you know, thought happening in and of itself just naturally throughout the film, which, yeah, cool. Hmm. Closing remark. Uh, so I was literally listening to a podcast. It was a D&D podcast, uh, <laughs> about a week ago, uh, where they're describing a character, punching another character and they're like 
they they did like a really good punch and they're like you knock all their teeth out it's like a million dollar baby moment i was like oh million dollar baby and that was that was the only thing i had coming into it a man (laughs) getting all the teeth punched out of his skull and then i was like this fight's bad is she gonna get all the teeth punched out of her skull and i was like and then i started like drawing the the rest of the film i'm like oh she has to like you know she's all fucked up and maybe she like looks a bit deformed or whatever kind of like rush um and and she like oh she makes it back and she wins a big so, Uh-oh. so you know, the combination of that and Rocky really fucked me with this really one, let did, me tell you. Really <laughs> did uh, send you reeling. Um, I do, I mean, the, the line that everyone quotes is, my darling, my blood. And I think mm. that, yeah, that's, yeah, that shit hit me. My darling, my blood was what got me, as I'm sure it, it got many other people. Rough, very mm. rough. Uh, fucking yeah! I like I love this film. I like Clint Eastwood, and I'm I want to check out more of what he's done. I'm pretty sure Gran Torino is on the list. About ninety nine percent sure. Gran it's Torino not. is one seventy five. It is. <laughs> I searched it and it didn't come up apparently. Okay, I am actually very interested in um, uh, in watching Gran Torino. I did a little bit of yeah. Gran Torino is a yeah. Gran Torino sounds like an equally heavy uh, um, Clint Eastwood directed film. Uh, it got it got compared structurally to this one, um, ah, which is interesting. Okay, um, so yeah, I guess we will see. Ooh, uh, bloody, yeah, just wait and find out. Uh, yeah, hello. Do you have any trivia for the boys and girls at home? Oh, I do have some trivia. There's a, a surprisingly not a huge amount, um, but uh, yeah, here we go. Macoila, um, Machula, Macusula. Makuchla, you dumb <laughs> Literally means my pulse, but can mean my love or my darling. It's a term of endearment taken from the original phrase, uh, a chula mok troy, or pulse of my heart. That was pretty Nailed bad. it. Come on, come on, bad. Ireland. At me. <laughs> <laughs> Hilary Swank engaged with her character Maggie easily as her upbringing was very similar, allegedly. Oh, interesting. That's rough. So, yeah, good on her. Hilary Swank contracted a bacterial infection from a blister she developed on her foot during training for her role. The infection was so serious that she almost had to be hospitalized for three weeks. Catching the infection in the nick of time, she instead chose to take a week off for medicated rest and didn't tell Clint Eastwood or the other producers of this movie about the injury because she didn't believe it was in character. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, method acting 101. Aye, aye, aye. The first shot of Frankie Dunn and Eddie Scrap Iron Dupri- Dupree in the gym office was filmed with a split diopter lens. This is a close-up accessory lens cut in half, so it changes the focal point of only half of the scene, allowing both the foreground on one side and background on the other side to appear sharply. Brian De Palma is famous for using this technique in his movies. Hmm. One of two boxing movies that won Best Picture. The other is Rocky. Ah. Oh, so cool. there you go. Yeah. The movie was filmed in 37 days, but originally scheduled filming for 39 days. That is a fucking sharp, shiny filming period. Fucking, you get in, get on site, get that shit on camera, get the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. This is the 25th movie Clint Eastwood has directed, the 57th movie in which he has acted, and the 21st he has produced. Goddamn. As he, of uh, that current point in time. he uh, He's really, yeah, again, his money's worth. Mm-hmm. Mm. Creative to the very end. Yeah, he's very multifaceted. 
uh, evidently. And I think, yeah, he does a he does a very good job directing as much as he does acting, I believe. In the yeah. right in the right role. I know that he directed American Sniper, and apparently that one's a bit ooh. <laughs> One of two times when Clint Eastwood and Martin Scorsese competed for Best Picture and Best Director at the Oscars. Clint Eastwood won this time, but four years later, they competed again with Scorsese, winning for The Departed, and Eastwood nominated for Letters from Iwo Jima. Mm-hmm. Which, naturally, Scorsese wins for The Departed. The Departed's a fucking... Mm-hmm. Infernal Affairs. At age 74, Clint Eastwood became the oldest Best Director Oscar winner for this movie. Oh, wow. That's very cool. Mm. Good on him. Boxing and kickboxing champion Lucia Rijka, who also played the part of Billy the Blue Bear in this movie, was Hilary Swank's boxing coach. Ah. Oh, cool. Which is that must have been sick. an interesting scene to shoot then, hey? Yeah, yeah. Going against yeah. your boxing coach um, on site. Yeah, that would have mm. been cool. Producer Al Ruddy loved the story and was determined to make it into a movie and spent four years trying to find backers who were interested in helping him make it. Quote, I couldn't get anybody interested, he said in an interview. And I'm talking about people who are friends of mine, people I've done business with for years. They'd tell me, who wants to see a movie about two old grizzled guys and a girl fighter? Eventually, he found someone interested, Clint Eastwood. He read the script and said, quote, you're going to love this. It's a downer, but God, is it gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> so Jonathan even Clint Eastwood agrees with you thank you Clint it is a downer but it is gorgeous uh, that's all the trivia I had yeah hmm. sure, sure sharp and shiny this, yeah good little good little tidbits for you is it yeah, kid, go buy yourself something nice <laughs> doing better than Hachi's the flip the call oh god Jesus I think anything <laughs> can do better than Hachi's trivia are you kidding me they're like the dog is a dog. Like, <laughs> did you the know? The dog was was acted by a dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah, it's pretty fucking I mean, tragic. Yeah, um, man, we're we're getting we're getting into the fucking nitty gritty stuff now. Hey, we are. We we're are. getting way up there. We're nearly fifty films in. We almost are. Um, oh, it feels like only yesterday we started the the podcast. It was only yesterday, Douglas. I think it's going to be February before we hit. Yeah, before we hit the. Uh, which mm. is kind of a shame, but. Oh, well. That's what we get for fucking ourselves with these bonuses, eh? Yeah. Mm. yeah. We're slowly, yeah, as the podcast goes on, we're going to be slowly pushing the every 50 episode hallmark to mm. later and later down the track. Mm. Well, that's a bit. It's a bit grim. Bummer. Um, but we'll have. Technically. 50 episodes in two weeks. If we include yep. the bonus episodes as episodes. Yep. I think it's yep. two weeks or three weeks. Something like that. Soon. Soon. Before the end of the year, Douglas. Yeah. Get excited. Wow. Um, wait, are you coming back for Christmas? I forget. Yeah, pretty sure. Mm, oh, cool. We be. can do another live recording then maybe. Yeah. A tragic cool. live recording. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, all right. Well. Yeah. If you enjoyed... The two five zero podcast. Uh, we uh, it's actually it's actually not just this one episode. We actually do them on a <laughs> weekly basis. Uh, that's right. Not only will we continue to do this every week, but we have done this every week for the last like forty weeks. It's God. insane. I know. Uh, if you want to 
uh, tune in for next week's podcast. Uh, it gets released on uh, Tuesday at midnight, uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time, which comes out to uh, about the afternoon in Europe uh, on a Monday and uh, morning in America in wait on a Monday as well. I fucked that up. Don't worry about it. If you want to contact us directly, uh, you can email us at mail at 250.com uh, or check out our Instagram at 250pod. That's T-W-O-F-I-V-E-O-H-P-O-D. Douglas, if people are being picky about where they want to listen to our podcast, can you tell, tell them about all the different options they have? It truly boggles my mind. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Pocket Casts, Amazon Music, Google Home, Amazon Echo, or wherever good podcasts are sold. I like that you reel so much against actually saying just the times of when these things happen. You just, you give these like very roundabout kind of estimate of when it comes out. And then you're, I've written down the times there. I've done the time conversions. They are there but you really real against it <laughs> here's the trick people go into your podcast app and click on go 250 click on settings and go turn on notifications and it'll just fucking tell you when we go that's true. automatically download new episodes and it'll just yeah. do it all for you that's true yeah yeah uh douglas and i both use letterboxd which is a movie reviewing and tracking app that we're just absolute great fans of if you liked imdb you will like an even better service which is letterboxd (laughs) (laughs) um my account is upa that is u u u p a h and douglas mine is ienzo knight that is i e n z o k n i g h t jonathan here writes haikus i write more condensed versions of what i talk about here on the podcast as well as anything else i forgot to mention as well as any other films i've been watching haven't had time to watch any films but i'm hoping over the holidays that I will be able to put away some films that are on my letterbox watch list because fuck me dead have they been amassing uh, since I've just since doing the 250 I've been looking more and more into like other actors other directors and then I just whack all these fucking films on my watch list and good god there's a sizable fucking list uh, oh we're definitely gonna have to add um, oh, I mean definitely I want to check it out first to see whether it's actually any good um, but uh, Mank, we're gonna have to check out. I reckon Mank, uh, twenty twenty David Fincher film, um, With a which K? everyone is absolutely raving about. It's the same director of Fight Club. Um, Mank, twenty twenty. Oh, yeah, okay. uh, Gary Oldman, Amanda Seyfried. It's uh, um, oh. Herman J Mankiewicz, and he's racing to finish the screenplay of Citizen Kane in the thirties. This is so funny. I I swear to God, every second film, I get to make fun of the fact that creatives can only talk about creatives. Oh, all the time. It's what is most relevant to us, you know? Like us. I, I mean, I can call myself a creative, I guess. I literally work... I've, I have a degree in dance, so <laughs> I, I can call us, you know... Quote, Man, unquote. No need to be so bloody defensive, Matt, okay? No, no, one's blo- no, no one's- I'm not. Hey, whoa, 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 Douglas, just slow down for a minute, fella. It's all right. You're not on uh, trial here, mate. 
defending myself like right at the fucking gate where I just as soon as I said it's because you know what I'm about to say that I didn't say oh absolutely yeah yeah and I would never as soon as you start defending yourself then I won't say it then yeah because you've already embarrassed yourself true (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah you don't you don't need to highlight it because I've done all the work fucking for you so you know what Jonathan you're welcome Uh, thank you buddy I really appreciate it and listeners you're welcome you're welcome we watch Million Dollar Baby so you don't have to. <laughs> and people who don't listen to this podcast, you're welcome. What? Why? And 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 people who live in Antarctica, you're welcome. Yo, can we get some listeners in Antarctica? The, people uh, who uh, live in a forest with no internet, you're welcome. Can we get... Yo, can we... Oh, I wonder if we could promote the 250 podcast, like spend $50 in advertising, but specifically for the Antarctic region, just like all across Antarctica, just specifically like target that geographical location. Mermaid people? You're welcome. Yo, what do mermaid people use? Fucking uh, Finify? All right. Oh, title. title. <laughs> damn it. Fuck. Oh, son of a Get bitch. Get fucked. Get oh, fucked. Oh, shit. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in to my own podcast. We'll, we'll see you again next time. I'm done. Fuck, man. <laughs> oh, you've been absolutely owned. Guess who won this episode? It was me. <laughs> Don't fucking TKO. Ding, ding. Oh, jeez. Bye. Uh, see you guys. <laughs> <laughs>